Hello, and welcome to this podcast of Sunday Sermons from Concord United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll find this message to be meaningful, insightful, and a refreshing part of your daily walk with God. Please feel free to share this podcast with family, friends, or anyone else who might benefit from it. This podcast is part of the digital ministries of Concord United, and we are grateful that you have chosen to experience worship and God's Word with us. For more information about Concord United and its ministries, please visit our website at concordunited.org. Today we're continuing our series on the letters of the New Testament and how they teach us that God's love never fails and always has enough for us. Beginning last August, we've been journeying from Genesis to Revelation throughout the whole Bible in our preaching and teaching and Bible reading here. And today we're coming to the first letter of John. It's attributed to the same disciple who wrote the gospel of John, but this is one of his later letters to the churches describing the next steps they needed to take in their faith. For many of us, we find that one of the important daily steps of faith we need to take is to be a part of the Bible reading plan, to be reading and praying every day. And you can find that plan at concordunited.org slash Bible. We want to let you know if you've been a part of that plan uh, throughout from from August to May and and you have have made it through, uh, next week we're going to celebrate that. Uh, We're going to have a certificate and, you know, good refrigerator material uh, for you. But even if you haven't, there's no time to start like the present. And we're going to have readings all throughout the summer that will go with the new message series during the summer and really encourage you to to be a part of that because it helps us daily commit our life to Christ, which is something we we need to do. When we look at what it means to really surrender our lives to Christ, we find that in this first letter of John, John's talking to people about commitment issues, about things that keep us from fully committing to the, the life God has for us often. And, and we look at how that can so easily happen to us. And I, I don't know about you, but I find so often I, I come to a time where I need to recommit. Uh, in fact, it seems like every time something is added to my life, my first tendency is to try and control it myself. And then I have to go back and say, no, Jesus, I give this over to you. Now, like that confirmation class that we celebrated today, or that I was, I grew up in the Methodist church. I went through confirmation in fifth grade. I stood in front of the congregation at Fountain City United Methodist, and I accepted my faith, and my faith was very intellectual. I, I took class, I paid attention, but I didn't really understand at that moment how to surrender. And it wasn't till I was about 17 years old when I was having to make some more adult consequential decisions. For me. Now, I had very consequential decisions as a fifth grader. Don't, don't get me wrong. I had to decide which video game to play and other, other things like that. But when I got to be 17 and I realized, oh my goodness, my decisions now set the trajectory for the rest of my life. I realized I wasn't capable of that that I needed God to set the directory for the rest of my life. And it forced me into a time of surrender uh, when I really felt I was able to, to commit and recommit my life to Christ. And for some of us, maybe we need to make that initial commitment, but for some of us, there's sometimes when we need to recommit. Uh, each new chapter in my life, I find I, I need to recommit. Uh, my, my first tendency when I got married was to say, I can, I can handle this marriage on my own, God. And then I had to say, Jesus, I need to surrender this marriage to you. Uh, my 
when, when I became a parent, I, I can handle being a parent, God. I need to surrender that to, to you, God. And the, uh, parents, it doesn't take too long to figure that out, does it? Like, it's so easy to know what parents should do with their kids until you become a parent, right? And then, you know, uh, even as a pastor, sometimes it's easy to say, well, I've read books on church leadership. I'll figure this out. No, Jesus, I need to surrender that to you. And and not just surrendering like the big things in your life, the family and career things, but the little things, the, the daily things that we focus on each day. If we're going to live with joy and peace, we're going to have to surrender those and, and give all our hearts and all our lives to Christ. And, and I find this crazy thing happens. As I go throughout my day, often I'll surrender it to Christ and I'll say, I, I need your help. And sometimes at the end of the day, I really feel like I'm in a good place and I've given this stuff over and I'm not trying to control what I can't control and I'm trusting God and I go to sleep. And do you know what happens while I sleep? I take it all back, right? I just take it all back and come that morning, I'm in control again and I'm gonna do this. And uh, I, I can just see Jesus sipping his morning coffee going, will again, right? Uh, but the great thing is that he's always there for us. He doesn't actually, though we joke about it, get exasperated with us. He continues to graciously uh, reach out to us. So I want us to look at 1 John and see what it teaches us about ways we might be tempted to try and control life on our own and what it teaches us about the need to surrender. So this comes from 1 John chapter 5. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the parent loves the child. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For the love of God is this, that we obey his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome, for whatever is born of God conquers the world. And this is the victory that conquers the world, our faith. Who is it that conquers the world but the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Okay, let's unpack that a little bit. Uh, we find that there are certain lies we often believe uh, that keep us from really fully committing our, our lives to Jesus. And one of those is addressed in the very first uh, verse of 1 John 5. It says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. I can't tell you how many people I knew who they really truly believed in Jesus. That, that they really did. Uh, and I talked to them about it and, and their belief, their, their hope, uh, how they saw the world. And, and I knew that they did. And they said, I, I just don't know if I really do. And I'd say, what, what, what do you mean you, you don't know? And they're like, I, 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 I don't know. Does, does he really accept me? Uh, can, can, I, can I really do this? I, I, I believe it. I, I just want to know that, that he accepts me. And they say, I hear certain people talk about their relationship and with God and mine isn't quite like that. And, and, and I'm just struggling. And they've believed a lie. The, the lie they've believed is somewhere along the way, I'm not good enough for Jesus. And sometimes they've been taught that because they see certain other people who act in certain other ways. And they say, well, if I can't be like that, then, then I, don't, I don't believe enough. I'm, I, I'm, not, I'm not good enough. They, they've fallen into that. But listen to 1 John 5 verse 1. Everyone who believes in Christ has been born of God. 
It's not because we don't look or act or think exactly like someone else who we look up to in the faith uh, that somehow, or that we're not exactly what we think a Christian should be. This is how powerful what we think uh, we should be can, can be sometimes. One time I went and I was young, I was take, doing an internship working in a church and there was a retired pastor in that church and he was a retired pastor and a retired psychologist and he gave me one of these personality assessments, right? And he'd worked with me for a couple months. He said, hey, I want to give you this personality assessment. So I took it. I got the results back. And he told me, he sat down, he goes, I have your results, but they're not yours. I was like, you have my results, but they're not mine. And he's like, yeah. And I go, what do you mean? He goes, what you put on that test is not who you are. I've been around you to know that this isn't at all who you are, but you just filled it out based on what you thought a pastor should be. And because you don't think that you are naturally what a pastor should be, you tried to become that based on the pastors you've seen in your life. And I'm like, I didn't do that. And then he read the results to me and I was like, I did that, right? I did that. And thankfully, he, a secular psychologist just would have said, this is who you are. He, he was able to say to me, if you're going to be a pastor, you're going to have to use your gifts and graces God has given you. You can't use the ones God gave someone else. That, that won't work. But, but we can get into that and we can think we're not good enough for God because we, we aren't like someone, someone else that we think we should be like or because we've done something or something's been done to us that we think Jesus can't get over. I remember talking to a family and they were, you know, one, some of the most heroic families I think are foster parents. I'm just amazed by foster parents and, and what they go through and, and what, what they do to uh, some who foster to adopt and some who just foster, uh, you know, until the uh, longer term healthy situation can be found. It, it, it amazes me what foster parents give and, and to all the foster parents who are out there in the congregation, they thank you for what you do. Uh, there's no way any of us could ever know how much you give and there's no way any of us could ever know the difference that you make. So, so thank you. And I, I was talking to these foster parents and they, they had two children who had come into their home and this, this, they didn't end up adopting. This ended up being a shorter term situation. But the children came from a home uh, where there wasn't enough love and where there wasn't enough food. And in that home, often if you acted up, you were sent to bed without dinner. And so when they came into this new home, the parents were, knew that history. And they were real intentional about like, we're going to have real good dinners uh, you know, we're, we're going to make an intent, we're going to be together at dinner every night and we're going to have big full dinners and they found out the kids' favorite foods and they'd cook those a lot and they, they just wanted to make sure that they felt that security of, of having that, that meal. And there was a, uh, there was a brother and a sister and the, the girl was seven years old and occasionally uh, she would say her stomach hurt at dinner time and she wouldn't eat and she'd go up to her room. So they took her to the doctor. And the doctor couldn't find anything wrong with her. Uh, and so they, they kept trying to figure something out. And then one of their counselors told them, they said, just look for common themes uh, or occurrences on days when she decides not to eat that her stomach hurts. And they found something. If they raised their voice to her during the afternoon, often her stomach would hurt and she wouldn't eat dinner 
because she was convinced she wasn't good enough to have dinner. That there shouldn't be dinner for someone like her because of what she had, had been through. And they had to tell her, no, 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 no. That's not how this works. You're allowed to make mistakes and still eat. That, that, that's how family, family should work. I mean, that's tragic, isn't it? And we can all see how tragic it is uh, when we see it in somebody else. But some of us do that to ourselves. We see things we've done, things that have been done to us, how we don't live up to certain standards that somehow we got in our heads. And we decide that we can't really be Christians, uh, that we can't really give our life to Christ because he might not receive it. That's a lie. And there's a truth that we need to know. And the truth is that Jesus gave his life for us. And he gave it at our worst, at our, our most insecure, our most selfish, our worst. He gave it for his life for us when we were there, not, not at our very best. That's a truth some of us need to hear today. There's another lie that keeps some of us from uh, giving our lives to Christ. Uh, and th this occurs uh, when uh, we look at others and some of us have We've gone to church and sometimes maybe somebody said something ugly to us at church or we've seen church people who don't act the way we think Christians should act or we see some prominent Christian get on TV and they say something that doesn't come across as Christian at all uh, and we begin to think, well, if that's who God is, is God, is God really worth following? And so we believe this lie that God isn't good enough to save us right? Uh, we, we, we can't trust God enough to surrender our lives because we're not sure God's good enough to, to earn that trust because of what we see people do in, in the name of God and, and the way God gets portrayed sometimes. And so, so we wonder uh, and we, we look at the world and sometimes we can't see God working like we, we wish we could. And we say, well, well God, wh where are you? Uh, where, where, where are you? I want to share with you verse 2 of 1 John 5. It says, By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. By this we know that to follow Christ is to love God's children uh, by loving God and obeying his commandments. And then when you see people saying, I'm a follower of Christ, but they don't express love for God's children, right? It can, it can really mess with you. It, it can cause us to say, well, should I really make this commitment? Is, is it worth it? I think there are a lot of people in our world right now who, who look and say, can, can I trust this? Maybe some of us have those questions. Maybe even some of us who gave our life to Christ long ago, we find new questions cropping up. And thankfully, that doesn't scare Christ off. That's his invitation for us to grow deeper in faith. Well, it reminds me of a young lady I knew at a church I served several years back. And uh, I just want to let you know, uh, as I get into this story, that the names have been changed to protect the innocent. Uh, but she was in our young adult class. And her, her name was Allison. And Allison was interesting. She was a very smart, very independent, strong-willed young lady who it was obvious she was going to go on and do great things in, in her chosen profession. Uh, but there was something about her, and she, you didn't have to know Allison long uh, before she'd tell you that she was never going to get married and she was never going to have kids. Uh, 
And so the other young adults in the group would, would kind of joke when they'd introduce her to new people. They'd be like, this is Allison. She will never get married or have kids. You know, and, and it became this, this running joke in, in the group. And uh, Allison, uh, you know, uh, it started a career. Uh, I went to another church, kind of lost touch with the family. And then I, I noticed on Facebook that Allison was getting married. I thought, well, well, that's interesting. And I, I knew the pastor doing the service and, and I called him up and, and I said, hey, I, I just want you to know, do, do you know the history of, of Allison and kind of the, the young adult group there, there at the church from, from years back? And, and he, he said that, that he did. And I said, well, you know, I, I just uh, thought this was wonderful, wanted to share that with you. And he said, hey, uh, let, me, let me share something with you. you you may not have known. Um, Allison's father passed away when she was young and she grew up without a father figure in the home. And Allison's first several relationships were not healthy. And so when you knew Allison, uh, Allison didn't know uh, that there was someone out there that, that could be faithful. And he said, then Allison met James and once Allison met James, he said, you know, as, as I described it, his, or his language was she'd met boys before. She'd never met a man before. She'd never met somebody who really was going to selflessly uh, care, care for her and, and be worthy of that lifelong commitment. And so today, Allison and James are happily married with kids, right? Um, some of us in our relationship with God are living like Allison was in her young adult years. We're saying, oh, you can't be good enough. You, 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 you can't be good enough to, to save us. And then we need to, to move from that to this truth. All goodness comes from God. The, the truth that corrects that lie is that all goodness comes from God. Because to love God, as we learn here in the scriptures, is to love God's children. That's, that's what it is. And if you hear anything else, well, that might, that might come from someone who is a genuine follower of Christ, who just has some real problems and gets it wrong a lot of the time. And heaven knows we do too. Or it might come from someone who pretends to be a follower of Christ for selfish gain. But it doesn't come from Christ because God, God is love. And then there's one more lie that often keeps us from committing our, our lives to Christ. And that's the lie that we, we look at what Jesus actually teaches and we're like, Jesus, I'm not sure that works. I'm not, I, I don't think Jesus, your, your ways don't work in this world. I'm not sure following your ways can get me where I want to go. Because I, I think about if I was to live by your rules, Jesus, in my workplace or in my school or in my relationships, uh, one, that'd be tough. I don't know if I want to. I don't know if, if I tried it. I'm worried I'd just get stomped on and I don't know that, that it would work. The truth is that Jesus' way is the only way that works. Listen to how First uh, John puts this in verse 3. For the love of God is this, that we obey his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. We, the love of God is this, that we obey his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. That they're not meant to be a burden. The way of life that Jesus teaches is meant to be a blessing. And there's a man who you may have heard of whose story really reiterated this 
to me. His, his name is Lecrae. He was the first ever Christian hip-hop artist to hit number one on the Billboard charts. He grew up in a difficult situation, uh, began dealing drugs as a teenager, at one point was arrested while dealing drugs, but he was carrying a Bible that his grandmother had given him, and he honestly said, I just carried it as a good luck charm uh, like you would a a rabbit's foot. But the police officer saw that Bible and said, tell you what, if you promise me you'll read that book, I'll let you off this time uh, and I, I, I won't arrest you. Well, he promised and then he, he didn't uh, and he kept on going down a bad path and he said that he thought church, he was 17 at the time, he thought church was just for old people. He thought nobody at church knew what he was actually dealing with and that they didn't have anything that could really help him with what was really going on in his life. But eventually uh, he had a young lady who invited him to a Bible study. And he went to the Bible study and he found out that the people at that Bible study had real lives and real problems uh, like, like him. And that they found real help in these pages. And he committed his life. And he, he decided that no, everything else he was trying wasn't working. So he was out of options. So he might as well try Jesus' way. And then somebody took him to a conference and they had Christian hip hop artists there. And he said, hey, those people like the same kind of music I like. I, I could use my gifts to, to do something like that. Uh, and then the interesting thing was uh, he, he went up and, and was so influential in such a good way. And, and he made so much money that he went from having nothing uh, to finding faith to having everything and then he said I got to the top and I almost fell apart because I wasn't walking around with joy and peace I was walking around in fear that everything I had that I would suddenly lose it and I found out that I had to take everything I had and I had to surrender that too he had to surrender to begin his journey but then he had to surrender again uh, to continue his journey uh, when when he came to a new a new place in life and uh, we, we find that is true. Uh, in fact, uh, what, what we find here in the scriptures is that what it says is that you'll never conquer the world until you allow Christ to conquer your heart. You won't. Uh, John talks about conquering the world and he says this, this is um, with verse four and five. Whatever is born of God conquers the world. And this is the victory that conquers the world, our faith. Who is it that conquers the world? But the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God. Okay, what's he mean by conquer the world? How can you conquer the world uh, by believing that Jesus is the son of God? We, we often think of conquering the world uh, like controlling the world. Like a politician who expands his power and the, uh, you know, the territory of his nation. Or we think of it like a billionaire business person who just has a, an incredible empire of businesses. Or like a celebrity actor or actress or athlete or, you know, what, what, whatever. That, no, those people, that's not at all the biblical definition of conquering the world. Uh, the, conquering the world is not controlling it. You'll never do that. Conquering the world is learning to live with j love, joy, and peace no matter what the world throws at you, right? Uh, and I don't know about you, I can't do that on my own. I know one person that can do that. His name is Jesus. And I know he promises uh, to give us the power to do that through us to help us uh, truly conquer the world. Now, I met recently, uh, well, met uh, within the last years, I I got to talk recently with some folks who've, 
who I think conquered the world. Uh, one of them you saw today. Do you remember that Vacation Bible School video? By the way, as you go out, go to that table. It's right there. Uh, you can, you can sign, sign up right, right now. Um, his name's Tom Moon. Uh, Tom didn't have children. In fact, his grandchildren are now too old for Vacation Bible School. But he was the elderly man you, you heard from talking about how much, you know what he was? He was a shepherd where he took a group of kids and he just walked them around and went with them everywhere they were supposed to go during, during vacation Bible school last year. Tom passed away last week and we talked to his family and we said, uh, we'll, we'll take him out of the video. We don't, we, we know, you know, t t now's the time to celebrate his life, but you know, uh, we, we don't want it to be a sore spot of being reminded that he's not here this year. They said, no, do not take him out. They said he spent his life witnessing. Please, please leave him in. Please leave his message in that uh, no matter what age you are, you have something to, to offer. Uh, Tom accomplished everything you could want to accomplish uh, as a business person. He, he was described as, as the glue that held his family together. And he encountered a lot of hardships in uh, his health in the last years of his life. And uh, he encountered family members going, th going through hardships that, that weren't easy. And I just want you to know uh, the, the type of guy he was. Last time I talked to him was two or three weeks ago. I'd called him two or three weeks previous when he was ill. He hadn't had the energy to talk, but he called me back. And after I got off the phone with him, uh, several people who'd been praying for him, I'd said, well, I talked to Tom today. They said, well, how he's, how's he doing? I said, well, I didn't get a real detailed report. And they're like, why didn't you get a real detailed report? The funny thing was, I had called to minister to Tom. Tom had called to minister to me. Uh, when Tom called, Tom wasn't interested in telling me his health history. He wanted to know how my kids were doing. He wanted to know how the church was doing. He wanted me to know how proud he was to, to be a part of this church. Uh, and he wanted to tell me about how he had found strength in God in all that he was, was going through. Uh, it didn't steal his, his joy and, and, and his peace. Uh, another lady who, who many of you, you may not have known, uh, but who's a big part of everything we are here at Concord, she passed away this week. Her name's Donna Bondrett. Donna, for a long time, was, was our church cook, our church hostess. Uh, people came in. She made them feel welcome. She made sure we, we had great food here at our, at our, at our events. And the, the thing that was interesting about Donna uh, this piece that, that she had and how she thought of people at the end, they said that one of her biggest concerns in the hospital uh, was that uh, the nurses were having to work so hard and she didn't want to trouble them. Uh, she was always thinking of others. When it became apparent that her uh, life was nearing its end, um, she wanted to talk to her children and her, her grandchildren. And she, that her family said that she held on and did not pass away, not only until she had talked to each child or grandchild, but until they were okay with her going. She, wanted, she didn't just want to be at peace. She wanted to wait till they were at peace. And once she found out they were at peace, she was able to, to let go. They'd conquered the world. Not that they could control it, but they'd learned to live with peace and love and joy and whatever it threw at you because they knew where their power came from. Uh, as we've shared, uh, last week, a bunch of sixth graders came up. They committed their life to Christ. This Sunday, uh, we've had several new 
folks join the church. And when they do so, they commit their life to Christ. We want to give you a chance today. Maybe today's the time when you'd like to recommit your life. Perhaps, perhaps this would be a first-time commitment for you. Maybe you've given your life to Christ decades ago. But you're like, you know what? I've been taking back control and I need to surrender again. If so, uh, you received a few things when, when you came in. One is these membership vows. This is what every member of our church uh, expresses. And uh, we believe these are a, a verbal description of what it means to commit your life to Christ. And this is just for you. Th this big sheet you got, you don't have to turn this in. You don't have to sign it now if you don't want to. You can take it home and read about it and, and, and think about it. But it's something that you can put on your refrigerator you can put it in a, uh, a picture frame and put it on your bedside to remind yourself of that daily surrender uh, that, that we need and, and what it means. And when, when folks come, we, we describe it. We say, you know, do you repent of your sins? Uh, do you express your need of Jesus' forgiveness? Will you resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? Uh, so that we're, we're saying we're sorry for what we've done wrong, but we're also trying to do good in the world. That's what Jesus did. We say, uh, do you put your whole faith in Jesus Christ and promise to serve him as your Lord? That's what it means to be a Christian, that we put our faith in him. We surrender and we promise to serve and live by his ways. And will you serve the church with your prayers, presence, gifts, service, and witness? That this is part of our surrender, living by his ways, praying every day, uh, being present in worship and in a small group like he did, uh, give, giving our gifts for God's purposes, serving both inside and outside the church. Sometimes people will say, well, does God want me to serve and help people grow in their faith inside the church or bless people with physical, uh, by helping address their physical needs outside the church? Both. Jesus taught about God and he healed people. God wants us to do both and to witness, to, to share faith. Now, if you are ready to, to recommit, if you'd like to recommit today, uh, you have this small card. And in just a moment, uh, you can come forward if you're here in person, place the card in one of the baskets. And then if you'd like, there's a time when, when you can kneel here. We've, we've laid out the, the kneeling pads. If you'd like to just say a prayer of recommitment, you can, you can do that. We're, we're going to have time for that. Also, if you're worshiping online today and you'd like to recommit your life, uh, I'd really encourage you. We'd love to know about that. It would mean a lot to me if you would just send me a quick email. Uh, my email's on the screen. And just, just let me know that so that I can be praying for you. Uh, because this, this is something important uh, for, for all of us. So, friends, we, we have this chance. And I, as we prepare for this time, uh, I'd like you to be asking God, God, what's, what's the step you have for me today? Are there any areas of my life that I need to surrender to you? Let's pray together. Gracious Lord, we thank you that your invitation is always open to us, that you are always reaching out and waiting for us to respond through your spirit closer to us than our very breath. Lord, so often we have taken this life into our own hands and it has not worked out the way you have planned and designed, but we have found you to be faithful and we have found you to be good. And we have found you to receive our prayers with, and bless us. So God, we pray today for each one here, for each one worshiping online. We ask that you would help us each respond 
in the way in which you are calling us, that however you desire for us to respond, that we would be faithful and that we would do so. Lord, if there are things that we have been clinging on to too tightly, that we have been willfully afraid to surrender, or Lord, that we have unknowingly never turned over to you, let today be the day, Lord. Let now be the time so that we might live our life as fully devoted followers, disciples in your way, that we might know what it means to conquer the world, that we might know what it means to live each day, good or bad, with peace and love and hope that never fails. We pray this in your name. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Concord United Methodist Church. This podcast is a ministry of Concord United, and we would love to hear from you. To contact us, please send an email to podcasts at concordunited.org with sermons in the subject line. For more information about Concord United, including worship times, service opportunities, mission efforts, and classes, please visit our website at concordunited.org. We also invite you to download and enjoy our daily devotional podcasts presented by the pastors and members of Concord United. Finally, we would appreciate it if you would leave a rating and a review of this podcast so that others can discover it and benefit from it.